0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on 16th of September and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and this week the team comprises... John Plush as recording engineer. He's giving you a wave, and Carol Hartle on copying and admin. And the readers today are Catherine Neal, hello, and Phil Lee, hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners, and in particular, Mr. Bev Hinkley, who joins us now on Talking Newspapers. And we hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with the Thought for the Week, Sunrise and Sunset Times, and the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems... A message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. And on that subject, I'd like to say a big thank you to Mr and Mrs Day and Barbara Moss for their recently received donations. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Phil is going to read for us.
1: I will. We'll start with Colin Chance House on Wilds Lane, which is 01905 767766. And I'm asked to point out that listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police non-emergency is 101. NHS direct is 111. <laughs> out of hours medical assistance is 0300 123 3211 and that's between 6 and 8pm. Crime stoppers is 0800 treble five treble one. Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council Here to Help is 01905 768 053 and press option 3. Community Risk Team, which deals with fire safety, is 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800 980 3331. Sense Adventures—that's walking for the visually impaired. Contact D. Jones on oh one six eight four eight nine one two nine seven or 144614. and the email address is www.senseadventures.co.uk. That's all small case. Samaritans is double one six one two three. Worcester Live is. 01905 and Malvern Theatres is 01684
0: Thank you, Phil. And moving on to uh, what's on in the region um, for the next week or so. Well, I'll start with the bad news. The website for the Swan Theatre in Huntington Hall is currently undergoing a makeover, so I was unable to identify any upcoming shows there. But I can tell you that on the... Um, Malvern Theatre from the 21st to the 25th of September is a production of Dead Lies. It's a fast-moving, hard-hitting political English thriller from number one best-selling crime novelist Hilary Bonner. The evening performances start at 7.30pm and there are matinees on Thursdays and Saturdays. And the box office, as Phil has just told you, for that is 01684 two double seven. And I can tell you that Clive Mantle from uh, what was it, casualty, he's um, featuring in that production. And I also in Malvern is the RHS Malvern Autumn Show. That's taking place between Saturday the I think actually it's the Friday the twenty fourth and Sunday the twenty sixth of September at the Three Counties Showground. It's nine till six PM and for tickets, the ticket hotline number is three double O but for general inquiries it's zero one six eight four five eight four nine hundred so that's the actual three counties number if you need more information on what the show is going to have, etc. And finally, just to bring to your attention a uh, new festival Well, I'm not sure it's new, but um, a festival of, hold on, light and live theatre, dance, storytelling and more. That's going to be coming to Great Malvern from the 20th to the 28th. It's called Feast, the Festival of Equality in Arts and Society through Theatre. So if you want more details on that, you need to get in touch with, I'm just trying to see the details, uh, Malden Cube and Priory Park but there's no telephone I'm afraid. I'll make sure that next week there's a bit more detail about that. And last but not least there's another festival returning to Worcester the Arches Worcester Festival is uh, coming back in October. It's Light Night Worcester is what it's described as and there'll be four new large scale projections created specifically for Worcester. So if you want more details about that you need to visit the Festivals dot uk and that's all lowercase and all joined together. ArchesWorcesterfestivals.co.uk slash light dash night. So that's a festival running October the nineteenth to the twenty-first. I hope that's enough to find someone find something to uh, do over the next few days. And we'll move now on to the headline stories. Catherine is going to read the headlines and then start with the first one. Right. Thank you, Pippa.
2: Um, The headlines over the last week have been as follows. Friday, September 10th, food hall plan extinguished. Saturday, September 11th, no parking, venue hit by a vent row. Monday, September 13th, stuck at surgery. Tuesday, September 14th, unfinished business. Wednesday, September the 15th, they won't let us see grandma. Thursday, September the 16th, misusing our car park? Fine by us. So I'll begin by reading the headline story from last Friday. Food hall plan extinguished. Plans to bring an artisan food hall and wine shop to the ground floor of a former fire station have fallen through, says the developer. The old fire station will soon be transformed into 28 luxury apartments, thanks to Malvern-based developer Guthrie Roberts. But the plan to work with Bottles owner Richard Everton on a food hall and wine shop has been scrapped. Ben Roberts, the managing director of Guthrie Roberts, says, We're very excited to announce that there's been a huge amount of progress at the old fire station in the last two months, including work on the residential front on the first, second and third floors. Beautiful new timber sash windows have replaced the old versions and we cannot wait to unveil our showroom in December where we will reveal our detailed plans for our 28 luxury contemporary apartments, a mix of one to three bed to provide options for a broad range of buyers in the heart of Worcester. On the commercial front, while, while it is a disappointment that we've not reached a satisfactory conclusion to move forward with bottles, we're keen to hear from local independents and larger stores who may have an interest in our premier commercial space, which will be accessed from Copenhagen Street, where the current fire entrances will be renovated to create eye-catching frontages. This is a very desirable location with the high street adjacent, Copenhagen Street being the main pedestrian thoroughfare from the river to the city centre. The multi-million pound plans to convert part of a former fire station will include a penthouse apartment with a balcony facing Worcester Cathedral and a first floor terrace and urban garden. Councillors were almost unanimous in their support for the plans, although Councillor Alan Amos called the proposals a missed opportunity. Councillor Andy Roberts said the plan for the fire station was a brilliant concept, and he could not be more supportive of it. He said, What has happened to the building in the last ten years has been almost offensive. The lack of car parking spaces angered Councillor Amos, who said it was a lie to call the plan sustainable, and it was irresponsible to approve only 15 spaces, as well as calling secure storage for 50 bikes a waste of space. Despite all the euphoria, this is a missed opportunity in many ways, Councillor Amos told the committee at a meeting.
1: Right. Um, Saturday and Sunday's edition uh, starts off with no parking in huge red capital letters. Venue hit by event row. There has been outrage on social media as a popular event in the city announces that there will be no parking two days before the show. Ibiza Orchestra Live have been criticised on Facebook after customers who bought tickets to their event this Uh, Saturday, that would be last Saturday, at Worcester Rugby Football Club, claimed that they were only told at short notice that there would be no parking. Worcester Rugby Football Club is in Offerton Lane, very close to Six Ways Stadium, with some visitors appearing to have confused the two venues. A spokesman for Ibiza Orchestra Live said, At no point has parking been advertised on our website or ticketing site. No emails have been sent out advertising parking or pre-selling parking spaces. We emailed all attendees to say there is no parking on site. This is extremely common. Only two events of our entire 40-plus UK tour have parking available. However, we are advised the venue does have parking spaces for disabled and blue badge users. Bev Dare, a dissatisfied customer, sent to Worcester News screenshots that show a Ibiza Orchestra Live seemingly confirming that there was indeed car parking at the venue. She said, I've contacted the venue and they told the event organisers at the start of the year that there wasn't adequate parking for the number of people they expected to attend. And yet they went ahead. Advertised parking then blamed Worcester Rugby Club for it. Hundreds of people bought tickets on the understanding parking was available disgraceful she said ali guest says she feels the whole thing is a shambles she said it seems inconceivable that the promoters only realized there was no parking two days before the event to suggest that thousands of people use public transport is simply unworkable ali who lives in redditch added this venue is out of town and for people like myself who were due to travel we simply will be unable to attend now the last bus back home to Redditch from Worcester leaves at 6.04pm, which is before the event even starts. Unless they offer full refunds to people who are affected, then it would seem to me that they only care about money. This event will be in chaos and cause huge problems, she went on, and the only fair solution is to offer refunds to reduce the amount of traffic that will end up lining the roads, with the dangers of walking along those roads to get there. Lindsay Lindsay Pearson said, I'm thinking about not attending now as I live in a rural area and would need to drive in. Recent issues with tokens, dates and times have been worrying and do not instil confidence that this event has been organised well at all.
0: And the headline for Monday, September the 13th. Stuck at surgery, wheelchair user left stranded in gravel outside GP's. A stranger had to rescue a woman whose wheelchair was stuck in gravel at a GP's surgery. Nikita Thompson needed to ask another patient for help after her GP surgery made changes to its reception due to Covid. Patients at Albany House Surgery, Albany Terrace, must now cross over gravel and grass to sign in at a marquee next to the receptionist's window. Miss Thompson is urging the surgery to use a plastic or wooden temporary path to make the marquee safely accessible for people with mobility issues. Albany House Surgery told Worcester News it would not be commenting on the story. At a previous appointment, she claimed she was told off for breaking restrictions by entering the building. The 23-year-old said she wanted to avoid a confrontation at Tuesday's appointment, which is when she attempted to use her wheelchair on the gravel. She said, a random bloke said you need tractor wheels on that. So I told him I was stuck and could he get me help? There is no other way apart from going over the gravel, which is a major pain in my wheelchair. I've been coming to the surgery all my life and I'm absolutely happy with the service. When I got told off for going inside the first time, I did say I couldn't get across the gravel, but there was silence. It would be nice to know they are considerate of the issue. Her father, Lee, uses two walking sticks and said the gravel would be difficult for many people to use. Gravel isn't ideal for people to walk over, especially as there are lots of elderly people who enter the surgery, he said. It's a significant minority who will find it difficult and will be anxious walking on an unstable surface. A spokesman for NHS Herefordshire and Worcestershire CCG said... The CCG do not comment on individual patient cases, however, all practices in Worcestershire consider patient safety and access to their buildings a high priority. And the headline story for
2: Tuesday, September the 14th was Unfinished Business. A builder is under investigation after a group of 10 people said that they had paid his company £100,000 for work, for work, but it had not been completed. The group say they've paid thousands of pounds in deposits to iBuild Contractors Limited, but although the work was started, none of the jobs was finished, and they claim the builder subsequently ghosted them. The customers have set up a WhatsApp chat to swap stories about Andrew Nathan Perry, who is the registered director at iBuild Contractors Limited in Pershore. The Worcestershire Trading Standards has confirmed it is investigating their claims. However, Mr Perry says he's contacted all his customers and hopes to pay them back after his business suffered difficulties. Safras Tabusom, who owns a home in Worcester, said he gave Perry more than £15,000 and the builder began work in May, but has since stopped responding to messages. Speaking for the group, he said he took money from each and every one of us and has not done the work. In almost every situation, he's come to start the work for one day, made a mess and not returned. The company's policy is to take 50% of payment up front as the deposit, with Perry quoting Mr Tabusom £32,000 for the build work. He said he's taken similar amounts from us all, totalling to a £100,000. I initially gave him £11,000, but when he arrived, he said I needed to get the guttering done on the house, which he could do a deal on, so I transferred him a further £4,000. Perry said his worker would come the next day to carry it out, but Mr Tabusom said nobody turned up. Another customer, Benjamin Chan, said that the company was set to start work on his house in May. He said he'd lost contact with Perry since the start of June after paying him several thousand pounds. Mr Chan said the most shameful point is Andy took advantage of us being new to the UK. Mr Tabusom said all letters addressed to the Pershall-based company have been returned as return to sender and not at this address. However, Mr Perry said he'd contacted his customers and intends to pay them all back after his business suffered in the last three months. He said, I've had a lot of sleepless nights. I started the company in January and since then I've experienced a lot of difficulties. But I don't want the company to go under and if I liquidate, nobody will get their money back. I plan to finish off four of my current jobs and make a pot to pay people back. The builder said money trouble started after he struggled to pay his 12 members of staff, who he has now let go. Currently working with four employees, the director said the notion of him trying to ghost his customers was ludicrous. A spokesman from Worcestershire Trading Standards said, We can confirm we've been made aware of the actions of this trader. And we will be investigating any allegations that suggest criminal offending. Beyond this, we will look to see if we can improve the situation for past and present customers. Thank you. Right,
1: Wednesday. we They won't let us see Grandma. That is the headline. We can't see Grandma. 95, the story continues. The distraught family of a 95-year-old woman in hospital have not seen or heard from her in two weeks. The family of June Haggis, who has dementia, say that they are at their wits' end as they have not received any news about her since she went into Worcestershire Royal Hospital. They have been unable to see the vulnerable grandmother since she fell on September 1st and they say staff have not given them updates over the phone. Grandson Matthew Lewis said, My mum rings every other day and is always left feeling frustrated and angry as the person on the phone at the hospital has no idea about how grandma is getting on. Not one member of our family has been allowed to visit, which we find really upsetting. Mrs Haggis fell at her apartment, part of Cherry Orchard Extra Care Scheme in Pershaw, two weeks ago. She was taken to the Royal that same day. Mr Lewis added that patients with needs are entitled to a visitor and believes his grandmother must fit this definition, having been diagnosed with a type of dementia two years ago. He visited the hospital on Saturday, September 11th to drop off a care package and was annoyed to see more mobile patients meeting with visitors outside the ward. He said the security seems to only be tasked with keeping the ward safe and locked down and not concerned with with what is going on outside the main entrance. Many of the patients and visitors were hugging and exchanging kisses, which I understand. But when you have a very sick, very confused loved one, trapped on a ward with no contact with the family that they spent their lives devoted to, it makes me wonder why the Trust has adopted this frankly abhorrent and emotionally straining policy on visitors. I understand family might want to see their loved ones, but why should they be treated differently to those who are unable to leave their beds? Matthew Hopkins, Chief Executive of Worcester Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said, We're sorry to hear these concerns from Ms Harrigis' family. Along with other, most other hospitals, our restricted visiting remains in place to ensure the safety of our patients, staff and communities. We understand how difficult it is not to be able to freely visit your loved one in hospital at this time. As a trust, we are facilitating compassionate visiting, including for patients with dementia, and ward staff will be happy to arrange this directly with families and carers.
0: And the headline, finally, for Thursday, the uh, 16th of September, misusing our car park, fine by us, except it would appear it's not fine. I will read on. Pub landlords have defended their decision to fine people who misuse their car park. As punters claim, they have been caught out. John Dean and Will Bradley, who run the Alma Tavern in Droitwich Road, have been slated on social media for introducing a new system where customers must tap in their registration number at the bar when parking outside or risk being sent a £60 fine. The pair have defended the decision after angry locals claim they have been sent fines by Creative Parking Solutions after not realising the new system was in place. Some have gone as far to say they will be boycotting the pub. Mr Dean said, The new system has been in place since July of this year, as have the signs both in the car park and the pub itself, reminding customers to leave their registration number when using our car parking facilities. We are not, nor will we ever, be charging customers to park. We're just making sure that the car park is not misused by people who are not coming into the pub. Our car park is very small, With only 13 spaces, it's important that we keep them all free for our customers. We got to a point when the car park would be full by midday, as people were using it to walk into town or jump on the bus. The majority of our regulars are elderly or disabled, so ensuring they have a place to park is a priority, instead of them having to park on nearby streets. We have brought in the car parking system to make sure our spaces are protected for our loyal and supportive customers. Mr Dean admitted that they had received between 15 and 20 phone calls from irked customers who had been wrongly fined by the company after having forgotten or not realised they had to leave their registration. He said, We have rectified the situation and all fines that were accidentally handed out to paying customers have been withdrawn. We have ensured that all staff remind customers on their way in and out of the pub to enter their registration number So hopefully this doesn't happen again in the future. We also would like to point out we don't ever profit from any fines collected. So that concludes the headline news stories for the week. And we will now move on to some general news stories. And Catherine, I think, is going to start us off. Yes. And um, this
2: story has got really rather a nice heading. Barbers facing up to the final cut. Mm -hmm. A city centre barbershop will shut its doors for good after more than 170 years when its final occupant retires this month. David Smith will be calling time on 50 years of cutting hair at Scans in Broad Street. The 70-year-old has cut the hair of some families in Worcester for five generations. Started in around 1848 as part of the Scans family tobacconists, the barbershop was originally above the premises on Fourgate Street, before moving to the basement at 69 Broad Street in the 1920s. Throughout its history, the shop has had some famous customers, including The Beatles, actor Robert Powell, cricketer and Prime Minister of Pakistan Imran Khan, and DJ Neil Fox. Scans was the premier place for men to have their hair cut at one point, with people coming from neighbouring towns and villages. At their peak, Mr. Smith could be cutting the hair of up to 200 customers a week himself, with a total of 600 people passing through the shop. When Mr. Scunn retired in the 1970s, the barbers working for him retained the name of the business and became self-employed. Mr. Smith worked alongside Louis and Brian, who retired last year, having also plucked up 50 years in the business. Hailing from Birmingham, Mr. Smith trained as a barber at Worcester Tech, from the age of 16 after the family moved to an estate just off Hallow Road. He worked firstly at a hairdresser in Monarch Drive before starting at Scans, where he was well known for his long hair which measured 18 inches. He's cut hair into every imaginable style from skinheads and suede heads to new romantics and mullets as well as spikes. I have no regrets and I'm looking forward to stopping But I'm sure in time I will miss it, he said. I will certainly miss the conversation. Most of our customers have been coming in for donkey's years. His last day is planned for Saturday, September the 18th, with customers planning to come in for a final haircut. My grandson James is insisting on coming in to sweep up on the last day, he said. My daughter suggested on our Facebook page, if anyone wants to come in to say goodbye, to do so, and I know some are planning on it.
1: right. My story is headed, shortages are biting. The shortage of food and drinks could be a permanent fixture, according to an industry chief, and Worcester's independent businesses are feeling the effects. Ian Wright, outgoing chief executive of the Food and Drink Federation, has warned the ongoing supply issues could become commonplace after the pandemic. He added that the industry is currently short of about half a million workers. It's going to get worse, he said, and it's not going to get better after getting worse anytime soon the result of the labour shortages is that the just-in-time system that has sustained supermarkets convenience stores and restaurants is no longer working and i don't think it will work again i think we will see we're now in for permanent shortages high street chains such as nando's and mcdonald's have both suffered from supply and staff shortages but worcester's independents are also feeling the effects Rosie Wilmot, front of house manager at Chester's on New Street, said we have certainly seen a shortage of staff over the summer months, meaning that we have had to turn away customers and at times even shut the restaurant when staff had been unavailable. Ms Wilmot added that as university students return to the city, they have seen an increase in applications. I'm optimistic that this will be a short-term issue, she said. We are hoping that this is the beginning of the end of a summer of shortage. Alex Tuminelli, head of head chef rather at sugo on the tithing said the hardest part is now the shortage of staff there are no chefs around looking for a job and if there are all of them are without any experience i don't know if things are going to change i hope so because the furlough from government will end soon we need normality and we need staff that want to learn improve and help us to make customers happy at all times because this is our job and this is what makes us proud to work in hospitality Nikki Riley from Three Bears Bakery said it is definitely becoming increasingly difficult to get hold of items. I'm hopeful it won't be a long term issue, but as it's not 100 percent clear what's causing these issues, it is impossible to be sure.
0: And this is a story about the first mass flu vaccination site. The first mass flu vaccination site in Worcester is due to open. Following on from the success of the COVID vaccination sites at the Three Counties Showground and St Peter's Baptist Church, GPs in the city have partnered with Worcester Racecourse to develop a similar site for the flu jab. Patients will receive a text message from their GP inviting them to book their jab at the site, which is modelled on the existing coronavirus vaccination centres. Patients eligible for a free flu vaccination through the NHS Include those aged over 50 or even aged 50 or over, depending which way you read that, or those turning 50 before March 2022, those with certain health conditions, who are pregnant or in long stay residential care. Also eligible are people who receive a carer's alliance, or are the main carer for an older or disabled person who may be at risk, live with someone who is more likely to get infections or our frontline health and social care workers. Dr Nikki Berger, Senior GP Partner at St John's House Medical Centre and Clinical Director at Worcester City Primary Care Network, said, It's easy to underestimate flu, but this virus kills tens of thousands of people in the UK every year. We want to make sure that the people of Worcester have the best possible opportunity to protect themselves against this virus as well as COVID. Nikki Redshaw, Operations Manager at Worcester City PCN, said, Our practices are continuing to maintain social distancing and infection control measures to protect their most vulnerable patients. And this naturally places some limitations on the number of patients we're able to see face to face. That's why programmes like this one are important, because by combining resources and working together to see all patients requiring flu jabs from one central site, we're able to allow more routine and urgent appointments to take place face to face. Rebecca Davis, Executive Director of Worcester Racecourse, added, We're delighted to be working in partnership with Worcester City Primary Care Network to provide the city's first flu vaccination centre, At Worcester Racecourse. We look forward to welcoming members of the public over the coming months for their free flu vaccination and are proud to be playing a part in keeping Worcester healthy over the winter. And here's a story about Witten Middle
2: School Winnie the Cockapoo's off to school. Witten Middle School has welcomed the start of the new school year with an extra special new arrival. Along with the new Year 5 pupils beginning at the Droitwich School, Winnie the Cockapoo Puppy has started her training as their new school dog. Susie Bourne, head teacher, said, "'It's great to get back to school and to welcome 150 new Year 5 pupils, as they were not able to enjoy the usual transition activities during lockdown. They've been settling in perfectly and have had a superb first week. We've also decided that the time is right to introduce a school dog to our team.' Winnie is still very young and will not take on her full role supporting pupils for another 12 months, but she's enjoying getting to know the school one step at a time. Eventually, she'll work alongside our pastoral and send teams to support vulnerable pupils when it's deemed appropriate. She has a fantastic temperament and will be a great member of our school community. And there's a lovely photograph of some of the new year five pupils with their head teacher, and the head teacher's got a very small puppy on her lap. <laughs> oh. yes.
1: We like it. <laughs> Right, this is a story um, which sets out people's wishes for this Worcester's city future and its headed wish list for city's future. We asked, that's the newspaper of course, we asked what shop or restaurant readers would like to see opened in the city and we were inundated with replies. Requests spanned from record shops and shoe stores to new local eateries and even a fishmonger. These are the most wanted. Can you guess which the most wanted was? Here we go, John Lewis. A new department store topped a lot of your lists with plenty of people naming John Lewis as the one they would like to see come to Worcester. HMV. Amidst all the buzz around streaming platforms, it seems that there is still a market for people wanting to buy music the old-fashioned way. Who'd have thought CDs would ever be described as old-fashioned? Hey, here we go. Zara. Clothes shops were in high demand, with many people bemoaning the retail experience in the city centre, and Zara seemed to be the most popular choice. IKEA, or if you want to be technical, IKEA, ranked highly on the list of stores that people wanted to see come to a WR postcode. Wagamama, plenty wanted to see something different when it came to food selection in Worcester, and Wagamama was another popular call-out. The White Company... With John Lewis also on the list, it is clear that people want a store where they can buy high-quality homeware, clothing and beauty products all in one place. And the white company proved another popular choice. Next on the list, Turtle Bay. Some tasty Caribbean food and exotic cocktails never go amiss, as we all know. Yet as it currently stands, the people of Worcester must travel as far as Cheltenham or Birmingham to satisfy that craving. Burger King. I thought we had a Burger King. Burger King. Residents have longed for the king to return to the city with a Facebook page called People of Worcester Want a Burger King, set up in 2019 by Craig Smith and Barry Boswood. In fact, the campaign even caught the eye of local MP who wrote to the chief executive of Burger King in the hope of luring them to Worcester. Charlie Waring said, The whole of Worcester want a Burger King. How many more times have you got to be told? Also mentioned were Carluccio's, Shoe, Woolworth's, Decathlon, and other sports shops. Wimpy Burger, Joe Malone, Pret a Manger, and Disney Store. There you go.
0: Hmm. I wonder if any of them will come.
1: <laughs> I do wonder. I don't expect Woolworths will though.
0: No, I think Woolworths mm. has gone. You've got to go to Australia for Woolworths, haven't you? That is a long way. Mm. So Gemma's hospice bid, a teacher is spearheading a new campaign to bring one of the elephant sculptures, haven't heard anything about them this week have we, from Worcester's big parade to St. Richard's hospice. Gemma Ward from Fernal Heath is calling on the Worcester community to raise funds so that an elephant never forgets can make the hospice garden its forever home. All 30 large elephants and one baby, Spark Ellie, will go under the hammer on 14th of October to raise funds for St Richard's Hospice, which cares for patients with serious progressive illnesses and their loved ones too. With the reserve for each elephant expected to start at £3,000, Gemma is hoping to raise £5,000 to be able to bid for the elephant on the hospice's behalf. Speaking about her fundraising campaign... Gemma Ward said, It's been wonderful for us all to enjoy the elephants brought to the city by St Richard's this summer and create many happy memories with our loved ones. So it feels fitting that they should have their own elephant in the hospice gardens as a lasting memory of the project. Tricia Cavell, fundraising director at St Richard's, said, Each and every elephant on the trail was special but the team all have a particular soft spot for An Elephant Never Forgets because remembrance is such a big part of our work here. We're so grateful to Gemma for launching the fundraiser, a hospice super supporter who not only helped coordinate thousands of donations to our Worcester's Big Parade shop, but volunteered in the shop too. The parade just wouldn't have been possible without such amazing community support and we can't thank everyone enough. To make a donation to bring... An elephant never forgets to the hospice. Visit, Je- visit Gemma's fundraising page at https slash slash justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Worcester's Big Parade, all lowercase and all joined up. All right,
2: the next story is Freemasons, £5,000 to back mentors. More vulnerable children and young people across the West Midlands will be given access to a trained volunteer role model following a grant of £5,000 from Worcestershire Freemasons to the Mentor Link Charity. Many vulnerable young people are easily taken in by negative outside influences and mentoring gives them a positive adult role model to offer reassurance, stability and guidance during difficult times in their lives, helping them to achieve positive changes both personally and educationally. The children will be referred to Mentor Link when school-based mentoring is not appropriate or possible. Sessions will be delivered weekly and offer one-to-one social and emotional listening support to disadvantaged and vulnerable young people who are experiencing difficulties such as anxiety, self-harm and low-level mental issues, low self-esteem and confidence, bullying, traumatic bereavement and family breakdown. When the head of Worcestershire Freemasons, Robert Vaughan, visited mentor Link, he met Marissa, who was herself supported by mentor Link when she was in high school. At the time, she was a young carer for her six siblings following her parents' separation. She was referred to the charity to help her cope with the demands of home and school life. She became a mentor herself in 2017, wanting to give something back. She is now settled down and the proud mum of two children herself part of the money from Worcestershire Freemasons will help train more people like Marissa to become mentors to vulnerable and disadvantaged young people in the West Midlands. The figures prove MentorLink's success. Of the 453 mentees supported by MentorLink in 2019 across the West Midlands, 89% improved their confidence and self-esteem, 72% their academic performance, 68% their behaviours, 72% 72% improved their relationships with family, peers and teachers, 78% their health and well-being; and 71% improved engagement with their community. The grant from Worcestershire Freemasons comes through the Masonic Charitable Foundation, which is funded by Freemasons, their families and friends from across England and Wales. Andrea Maddox, CEO at Mental Link said, We're very grateful to Worcestershire Freemasons for their generous grant, Mentoring can be an enormous help to vulnerable young people with their mental health and well-being, and the distressing and destabilising times so many of them have had during the pandemic means our service is needed more than ever. Robert Vaughan, head of Freemasonry in Worcestershire, said, I'm very pleased we've been able to help Mentor Link with their excellent project. It's a tried and tested way to help them improve their behaviour and self-confidence, not to mention their performance in the classroom. Children only get one chance at getting an education, and mentor Link's work can transform their life chances.
1: Indeed. Uh, I don't know what you think about the Covid passport question, but here are some of the views of Worcesters' nightclub owners on the subject. A Worcester nightclub owner says it is, quote, good news the government has appeared now to rule out Covid passports. Health Secretary Sajid Javid revealed on the Andrew Marr show last Sunday that the passports that would have required proof of entry to a club, whether through double vaccination or a negative Covid test, had been scrapped. Prime Minister Boris Johnson previously announced that they were to be introduced at the end of this month and is expected to say this week that instead they are being kept in reserve, should they be needed in the coming months. When passports were announced in July, Alexander Fell, owner of Alexander's nightclub in New Street, described it as a blow to their business, but he has now expressed relief at the U-turn. I don't know how it was all going to work, the logistics of it, he said. It would have obviously stopped a lot of people from coming to nightclubs. I know there is controversy about whether people want to get jabbed or not, and that is up to individual discretion. We are just going to follow the government guidelines. I think it, that is no passports required, is going to make business easier post-Covid. Meanwhile, the boss of another Worcestershire nightclub, who has also been particularly critical of the passports, said he was pleased to hear that they'd been scrapped. Sam Benjamin, Managing Director of Maryland's Bridge Street Evesham, said, It has been something in the back of my mind and we didn't know if they were going to do it. It would have been pretty devastating. The logistical problem would have been times like if someone's phone battery died, we wouldn't be able to see their passport. It would have been a silly reason to have had to have turned people away and we would have been losing money. Sam added, I have heard that they haven't ruled it out. It's not just that it is worrying, we are taking every week as we can right now
0: because you just don't know what is round the corner. Pippa. A farm owner has spoken of her frustration at not being able to recruit locally for fruit pickers. And Ali Kappa, the owner of Stocks Farm in Suckley and chairman of national trade body British Apples and Pears says she has fears the industry will continue to have issues. Ali said the fruit-picking industry had suffered in recent times to recruit people, particularly due to Brexit and the pandemic. Back in July, we advertised for fruit-pickers to start at the end of August, she said. We put out that there were 70 jobs available and we had nine applications. But when we went back to those nine for interview, only one was still looking for a job. We have now managed to fill those positions through a job recruitment agency, with a mix of Russian, Ukrainian, Uzbekistan, Polish, as well as Romanian and Bulgarian people. Every year we advertise for and try and get local people to come and do these jobs, but we found that it's got harder and harder. Obviously, the experience this year wasn't great. Ali was speaking after the number of vacancies in the three months to August rose above one million nationally for the first time since records began in 2001 with the Indeed job search website showing vacancies for 1,453 jobs in Worcester and 4,942 jobs in the county. Ali said the government needed to do more for their industry, including making the seasonal workers' pilot, the scheme that allowed temporary migrants to enter the UK for seasonal work, permanent. Brexit made many feel unwelcome here, putting new rules in, and then you have COVID on top, she said, where there are travel restrictions, higher traffic costs, the need for COVID testing. All of those are barriers for people wanting to come. Worcester MP Robin Walker said, what I'm hearing from a lot of local businesses is not that they don't have jobs on offer. It's the opposite. They can't find enough people to take them. We want to make sure vacancy rates remain high So there are opportunities for all the people out there who are out of work. Thank you, Pippa. Uh, Flying the flag to honour
2: workers. A flag was raised in Worcester to mark the appreciation for emergency workers on Emergency Services Day. The flag was raised at County Hall last week to show support for those working in the emergency services and the NHS. Councillor Steve Mackay was among those who attended the ceremony. He said, I'm really proud and privileged to see the emergency services flag flying high above County Hall on a national day of support and reflection. Councillor Mackay emphasised how moved he felt about the day as a former member of the emergency services. I'd call on everyone to take a moment to support my fellow police colleagues and the other services that support those who require their assistance and reflect on those that have very sadly lost their lives in the line of duty. Also at the ceremony was the Vice Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, Brigadier Roger Brunt. He said on behalf of the Lord Lieutenant, it's an honour to support this recognition of the courageous and unstinting contribution made by the emergency services to public safety. We as a community are served by dedicated and professional women and men who put our best interests first, often at the cost of their own. Reflecting on their commitment and service is a source of great pride and gratitude. The ceremony had a greater resonance this year after 18 months of the COVID pandemic, which saw the county's emergency and health workers called to help with the effort to keep people safe and well.
1: Thanks. And as almost as a development or an offshoot of that story, one in five people still unvaccinated. One in five people in the county are still unvaccinated. Latest figures show. A total of 451,756 people in Worcestershire have so far been vaccinated against COVID-19 and have received both jabs, just over 80% of the county's population aged 16 and above. Based on NHS figures and population estimates for the county from the Office of National Statistics, that means around 112,000 people have either not yet received a second jab or haven't had the vaccine at all. Around 86% of Worcestershire's eligible population has received at least one Covid jab so far, with the county's 12 to 15-year-olds set to be offered a first Pfizer jab as soon as possible, and that's an announcement from the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation. The latest figures, which run to September 12th, show that 97.5% of residents aged between 80 and 84, and 85 and 89, are vaccinated, having received both jabs, the biggest uptake among an age group in the county at the moment. The lowest uptake among the county's adults aged 18 and above is the 25 to 29-year-olds, where just under 71% of those eligible have so far received both jabs. Uptake is at its highest among the county residents aged 50 and above, The same goes for the 70 to 74 year olds and 75 to 79 year olds, where over 96 and 97 percent of the eligible age group have had both jabs.
0: I'm not sure why I'm reading this article, as I do not like spiders, but I felt a sort of need to share it with everyone. The early autumn months are not exactly a great time for those scared of spiders, as I well know, as mating season for the critters commences. September and October, will see thousands of spiders seek refuge and venture inside our homes to find a mate. As a result, many people will be looking for methods to keep the spiders out, and herbs might just be the answer. Garden Buildings Direct have compiled a list of such items that can be implemented to keep the bugs at bay. More about that later, but first of all, spiders usually start to come out in early September with their presence noticeable in homes until around mid-October. After this, they they tend to be spotted indoors less often. Female spiders are known to stay in one place for all of their lives, but males are always on the move. During spider mating season, the males will go searching for females and often find them inside homes, which is why you may notice more of them over the next couple of months. In the UK, there are around 650 different species of spider. Thankfully, only around 12 of those can actually cause any sort of harm to humans. The, in the uh, UK house spider is the one which we see inside, and the males of this species can grow to a terrifying 10 centimetres across the leg span. Well, interesting this, it does say it depends on how much they've eaten. After mating, the female will lay eggs and the male will usually die. So back to what herbs can be used to keep spiders at bay. I have to say I've never heard this before. I, 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 I will tell you people if it works. Basil and mint apparently will provide a good defence against the spiders preparing to venture indoors. A spokesman for Garden Buildings Direct, UK, Co. UK, said six herbs can be useful. Basil, mint, cinnamon, lavender, chrysanthemum and onion. So what it doesn't say is how you're meant to distribute it around the house. But there you go. I'm not Have... so I'd to be in that house. <laughs> <laughs> it's a novel way of dealing with them, isn't it? <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> uh, right.
2: So party for kinship care. Ten years of supporting family members who care for children after tragedy were marked at the Guildhall. Worcester-based charity Kinship Carers UK celebrated its 10th anniversary with a reception attended by the Mayor of Worcester and the Mayoress, councillors Stephen and Lucy Hodgson. Kinship Carers UK offers support and guidance to grandparents and other family members who find themselves looking after babies, children and young people. Often it is at a moment's notice because of tragedy or trauma that leaves birth parents unable to look after their own children. The event was hosted by Claire Whittaker, a family solicitor with harrison clark Rickaby, and trustee of Kinship Carers UK. She spoke about the legal and financial hurdles kinship carers often face and paid tribute to the work of Enza Smith MBE, the chief executive of Kinship Carers UK. She is a kinship carer herself and set up the charity ten years ago with a network of support groups and telephone advice throughout Worcestershire and beyond. In the past 10 years, Kinship Carers UK has supported over 750 kinship families. Joyce Squires, a former city councillor who became a trustee of Kinship Carers UK in 2015, also paid tribute to Enza Smith MBE. In particular, she congratulated her for the work she's done raising awareness amongst MPs and in helping set up the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Kinship Care at Westminster, which now ensures that the voice of kinship carers and kinship children is taken into account in legislation. Joy ended with a plea to decision-makers on local councils and at Parliament to consider kinship families in their policies and legislation.
1: Thank you. This story is
2: headed Battle Bus on its way,
1: which indeed it still is. A battle bus is coming to Worcester next week as part of an environmental awareness campaign. The zero carbon tour will come to Worcester on Monday, September 20th, as the Sustainability and Net Zero Certification Group, Planet Mark, continues its journey to COP26 in Glasgow in November. Planet Mark is aiming to raise awareness of the importance of the net-zero carbon concept to modern businesses by visiting 30 towns and cities. The event is being hosted in collaboration with the University of Worcester and the Worcestershire Local Enterprise Partnership, the WLEP. Katie Boom, Director of Sustainability at the University, said, Having the bus visit on the first day of teaching is just great. Students and staff work so hard to develop projects and integrate the climate emergency and sustainability into their training and research. It reinforces the learning they will have undertaken by taking an open book sustainability literacy test on enrolment and it gives them the chance to be inspired for the forthcoming year, learning more about what's happening on campus and in the community. The tour, featuring featuring the UK's first 100% electric coach, dubbed the Carbon Battle Bus, will arrive at the University Arena at midday before moving on to St John's campus between 2 and 4. During this time, guest speakers will educate students and businessmen on how they can reduce carbon emissions. Steve Malkin, founder and CEO of Planet Mark, said, We are delighted to be collaborating with the University and WLEP on this tour. We look forward to gathering in person and online Within the Worcester community, and if I can just tack on another little piece that's on this page, uh, in case you're interested in doing any volunteering, it says if you're interested in volunteering in Worcester, the Guild Hall is the place to be on Friday, October first. Worcester Volunteer Expo is taking over the historic building from 10 in the morning until 2, and the free event will include more than 25 different charities and organisations, including National Trust, Site Concern, Hartlebury Castle, AIDS UK, the Royal Porcelain Works, Action for Children, Worcester Environmental Group and St Richard's Hospice. It concludes, if you've got time to spare from just a couple of hours to whole days and want to make a difference in Worcester, this event is for you.
0: Thanks, Phil. I'm glad you spotted that to to read out. And this is a lovely story, and it's accompanied by a photograph, which I'll tell you about at the end. There aren't too many devoted couples lucky enough to reach their 70th wedding anniversary. So glasses were being raised to toast Doug and Wendy Mosley, who reached that remarkable milestone last week. The Droitwich couple were married on Saturday, September 8th, 1951, at St George's Church in Worcester. And they went on to raise six children, with a solid emphasis on family. Daughter Susan said, Dad worked in finance up until retirement, working for the Portman Building Society in Worcester and the Alliance and Leicester Building Society in Birmingham. Mum was at home raising the family, She was always there when we got home from school and always gave us beautiful home-cooked food. As well as spending so many happy years together, the couple were astute enough to know it's good to have different interests as well. Susan said, My parents have a very good social life and also enjoy separate hobbies, my dad with his golf and my mum breeding Cairn Terrier puppies and showing her dogs at Crufts over many years. As well as their six children, the couple also have 13 grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren and celebrated their big day with a party at Ombersley Golf Club on Saturday, September the 4th, where no fewer than 44 members of their family came to wish them well. And it's a lovely photograph of them. And I have to say, they don't look a day over 60. I'm not quite sure how they manage that, but they really do look very well. So warmest congratulations to Wendy and Doug on that achievement. Well, after that very nice story, this is
2: just an update, and it's from today's uh, Worcester News about um, the virus. Uh, there have been no new deaths announced at Worcestershire hospitals. The figures up to September the 15th show no newly recorded deaths at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, with its total remaining at 840. And there has also been no newly announced COVID deaths at the Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust with its total still at 64. It means in total there have been 904 COVID-related deaths in county hospitals during the pandemic. The Acute Hospitals Trust covers Worcestershire Royal as well as the Alexandra in Redditch and Kidderminster Hospital. Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust covers community outlets.
1: Right. Awards on the menu. A Worcester restaurant has continued a prolific year by scooping its second major award. The Balti Mahal on Astwood Road has been selected as the best Indian restaurant in Worcestershire by lifestyle magazine Lux Life. This came as part of their sixth annual Food and Drink Awards where they select local eateries which have shown quote, an unwavering commitment to excellence within their field. The Balti Mahal has already been named among the best restaurants in the country with the Good Food Awards recognising the business for exceptional levels of food quality, customer review and hygiene ratings. Manager Mazdul Hassan Shakil said it goes to show that our immense passion Effort and dedication for the local community has paid off with these awards. We are privileged and honoured to have received these awards in recognition of our support for the local community. The Balti Mahal donated 10% of its customer bills over the amount of £30 or above to the Worcestershire NHS Trust and to a homeless charity for the last few weeks of 2020. This was part of the restaurant's pledge to support the NHS and the local community during the pandemic. With two awards already in the bag, the popular curry spot may be in line for a third in the not-too-distant future, having already been shortlisted for the Good Foods Awards of 2022. In recognition of our efforts during the coronavirus lockdown, we have been shortlisted as a finalist in the Good Food Award and Good Food Guide again. We are so honoured and privileged to have had such recognition, the manager added.
0: Well, moving on. Popular Chippy closed. A sign has appeared on the window of a popular city fish and chip shop, stating it will be closed this week. The Crispy Cod in Pinkett Street closed yesterday and will not be reopening until Tuesday, September the 21st. The sign reads... The shop will be closed until Tuesday 21st of September due to a family emergency. We sincerely apologise for the inconvenience and look forward to welcoming you again soon. The Crispy Cod has been serving customers in Pinkett Street in Northwick for 19 years and there has been an efficient chip shop in the same place for more than 90 years. Owner Predrag Durek has been busy over the last few months putting together a history of the shop with the help of Sheena Payne-Lunn, one of the coordinators of the immensely popular Worcester Life Stories project. The first owner of the shop was Miss Finch, who opened the shop using the garden of Number 1 Pinkett Street. Since then, the shop has continually served fish and chips to Worcester residents, while changing hands an estimated seven times. From Miss Finch in 1930, to Mr Hales, approximately 1937, to Mr Ricketts, 1950, to Mr Frank Dark, 1960, to Mr René Baldwin, 1970, Mr Jukes, 1980, these are all approximate, to Mr Barry Bridges, 1987, and finally to Pedrag and his wife, Mila, who have received the keys to the shop in 2002. Pedrag previously told the Worcester News, It's now coming up to 19 years that we've been here and we have been immensely proud to be a part of the shop's history and to follow in the footsteps of the previous owners by serving the community. Fish and Chips have been served in the same location as the current shop since the year 1930, which means that last year we celebrated the shop's 90th anniversary. In order to mark the occasion, we created a photo display of old photos of the local area. This was with the help of Sheena Payne-Lunn at the Northwick Manor Community Heritage Project, and the display is currently hanging up on the wall of the shop. Well, let's hope they get to open on the 21st as planned. Mm
2: -hmm. Here's a story that comes round with regularity. It's about the seagulls in Worcester. Worcester residents will be seeing regular huge reminders not to feed gulls as part of a council crackdown on the birds' presence in the city. Worcester City Council has had large signs printed on the side of two 26-ton vehicles which say, Feed the bins, not the gulls, to encourage people to make sure food waste is put in the city's litter bins properly so that gulls can't then pull it out and eat it. The two new waste lorries are the latest additions to the County Council's vehicle fleet and represent part of a range of actions to reduce the presence of gulls in the city, including the regular flying of hawks and the removal of gull eggs and nests under licence from Natural England. Councillor Andy Stafford, Chair of Worcester City Council's Environment Committee, said, The City Council is working hard to control the number of gulls in our city, but we can can all do our bit to reduce the problems caused by these birds. Hopefully, when people see these new waste lorries making their way through Worcester's streets, it will remind them to make sure they're not accidentally feeding the gulls. Both vehicles will hit the streets on September 13th for both waste and recycling collections. The City Council is also continuing to work closely with residential and business property owners who are using a variety of tactics to combat gulls. This year, the owners of a private retirement complex in Barbourne painted their flat roof bright red which successfully deterred two pairs of resident gulls from nesting on the same spot. The The Council said it will explore similar techniques on other buildings where appropriate in 2022. Patient left outside
1: after hospital visit. Neighbours of a pensioner say he was left outside his home with his bags dumped on the bins by non-emergency hospital transport staff. Trevor Bayliss, 76, was discharged from Worcester Royal Hospital and was recorded escorted home by a non-emergency transport vehicle. Neighbours claim the service staff, who are contracted by the Trust, did not escort Mr Bayliss indoors after he had had his stomach drained. His neighbor, Jeanette Moore, said she woke up to someone banging on her door shortly after 10 p.m. She said, I was in bed, so I didn't answer it the first time, but the third time they knocked, I went down. It was another neighbor who had taken Trevor in after he was left outside. He said Trevor was in a confused state, so I went around as I had his spare key. Mrs. Moore went to collect Mr. Bayliss to take him home when she discovered the bags. She said, I've made a complaint on the NHS website. I'm just completely shocked at the way that he was treated. The trust said that they weren't able to comment on individual patient cases. Matthew Hopkins, chief executive of the Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust, said, We aren't able to comment on an individual patient's cases, but we always strive to ensure that all our patients are treated with the utmost care and compassion and can go home in a safe and timely way. If any patient is concerned about their treatment, we encourage them to get in touch with our patient advice and liaison service so that we can thoroughly investigate and give them a full response. Non-emergency patient transport is NHS-funded transport for people to use to travel to and from outpatient appointments between locations of healthcare and to go home after being discharged from an inpatient spell. The service is only available to those with a clinical need, such as people whose condition means they need additional medical support during the journey, people who find it difficult to walk, or parents or guardians of children who are being transported.
0: A hiker has set a new record for a self-supported solo walk of the National Three Peaks. James Forrest, age 37, former Worcester news reporter, climbed Ben Nevis, Scarfell Pike and Snowdon and walked every mile in between them in 16 days, 15 hours, 39 minutes and 51 seconds. The Innovate ambassador walked 17 marathons in 17 days to complete his 500-mile journey on foot, setting what is believed to be a new self-supported record. James, an outdoors writer, almost had to abandon his attempt at the foot on Snow- foot of Snowden. After 16 days of walking, he succumbed to sunstroke in a searingly hot clamberis and suffered a bout of vomiting. But, narrowly avoiding an 11th-hour failure, he regained his composure and made it up and down Wales's highest mountain to complete the long-distance challenge. The former Worcester News reporter said, It has been a roller coaster of an adventure, dizzying highs and crushing lows, with hardship and euphoria in equal measure but I've absolutely loved challenging myself and pushing my boundaries. The simple process of walking is incredibly therapeutic and works wonders for my mental well-being, better than any drug a doctor could prescribe. James set his clock running at Glen Nevis Youth Hostel at the foot of Ben Nevis and proceeded to bag Scotland's highest mountain. He then headed south via the West Highland Way, Clyde Walkway, Annandale Way and Cumbria Way to Scarfell Pike before taking on the Lancaster Canal Path and Wales Coast Path to Snowdon. The finish line was in Victoria Terrace in Clamberis, and that was reached after, sendi- after descending off the summit of Snowdon. Hiking alone with no support crew or pre-arranged help, James carried all his kit and camping equipment in a backpack. He resupplied with food en route and stayed in hotels in more urbanised areas. Lee Proctor... Innovate Global Communication and Ambassadors Manager said, What another incredible achievement by such a fearless hiker who knows exactly how to get to grips with the most difficult of challenges. We're immensely proud of James and his latest record-breaking feat, wearing special new Innovate boots that will soon be launched to the public. Congratulations, James. Mm -hmm. So that concludes the general news stories for this week. Uh, We found it quite hard, didn't we, to get enough material there but mm-hmm. well, we have got some sport um including one or two sort of sport related stories mm-hmm. so off you go Catherine. if you don't mind starting
2: yes this is about six ways stadium world ranking six ways emerges as one of the leading stadiums it's been named as one of the top rugby stadiums in the world the home of worcester warriors is listed as one of the top 10 stadia fol- following a study by LiveRugbyTickets.co.uk. The study included a content analysis of over the 15,000 TripAdvisor reviews for the 40 largest stadiums by capacity. Four factors were taken into consideration when deciding an overall satisfaction score. Atmosphere, cleanliness, affordability and food. 150 reviews of six ways were analysed, resulting in an overall score of 7.550 out of 10. This score puts the Warriors... 8th in the ranks, sandwiched between Allianz Park of Saracens and AAMI Park, home to both the Super Rugby's Melbourne Rebels and Rugby League side Melbourne Storm. Peter Kelly, Warriors Warriors Managing Director, said, we've invested significantly in improving the spectator experience at Six Ways over the last three years and we're delighted to see recognition of our efforts in the top 10 of world rugby grounds in this list. We've installed new floodlights, high-speed Wi-Fi, three new big screens with digital ribbons and improved our public address system to ensure that the Six Ways Match Day experience is one of the best in the Gallagher Premiership. But we're always looking at ways that we can improve and we value the feedback we get from spectators through our Match Day surveys, which are an invaluable source of information for us. The United Kingdom boasts nine of the top ten. Top of the pile is Bath Rugby's Recreation Ground, which earned an overall score of 9.5 and ranked highest for both affordability and cleanliness. In second place is Welford Road, home to Leicester Tigers, with the Totally Wicked Stadium in St Helens coming in third. Parky Scarlets in Glanelli and Exeter's Sandy Park round out the top five. At the other end of the table, the Estadio Ciudad de la Plata in Buenos Aires ranked lowest with a score of just 0.3. The stadium, which played host to Argentina versus New Zealand in 2012, ranked lowest for atmosphere, cleanliness and food. The Allianz Riviera in Nice and Stadio Olimpico in Rome also scored poorly with 0.6 and 1 point respectively.
1: Right. We've got a huge headline on the back page, so, of the sports part of the paper, and it's Pollock hooked. Now, just while you're enjoying the fishiness of that pun, there is a picture underneath of said Ed Pollock playing a hook shot. So we've actually got a double pun. So congratulations to Worcester Sports <laughs> all around, really. So let's trawl the rest of the article, shall we? Did you see what I did there? Yeah. right. Oh. Okay. No, they've all all left and gone home now. Ed Pollock has rejoined Worcestershire and is looking to impress across all formats. Pollock, who came through the Worcestershire Academy, signed a two-year contract which will keep him at the club until the end of the 2023 season. After six years at Warwickshire, the top order batsman will have his sights set on an opening position with Daryl Mitchell announcing his imminent retirement earlier this week. Pollock, 26, is recognised as one of the premier white ball batsmen with a strike rate of nearly 161 in the Vitality Blast but is looking to develop his red ball game. I want to play all formats of cricket, he said. I really do feel my best years are ahead of me. Red ball cricket is at the forefront of my mind. I played a few first-class games when I was at Durham University and I never felt out of my depth. On returning to Worcestershire, he added it really is exciting for me to go full circle. I found some pictures the other day when I was in the under 10s at Worcestershire and Joss Tung, who's one of Worcestershire's bowlers, was playing as a seven-year-old. Now I'm able to come back and be a person out there who is playing and hopefully winning games for Worcestershire. On Pollock's desire to play more Red Bull cricket, Pridgin said, now Pridgin is the um, chairman of the Cricket steering group. We also feel, as a club and the coaching group, feel that he has got a lot more to offer in red ball cricket if given opportunities. He's desperately hungry to improve, and he's desperately hungry to play some red ball cricket. And I've said this to him. I believe our coaching staff will improve you as a player. So best of luck to Ed Pollock.
0: Well, nice one. This is football, but not as you know it. Under eights football. Young footballers were presented with their trophy for winning a national league in front of crowds at Worcester City Football Club. The victorious team from Worcester City Under-8s were presented the Cup by Deputy Mayor Councillor Adrian Gregson. They were given a round of applause by the crowd at the Clains Lane ground as they were presented with the trophy for winning the national JPL final. Having first won the Midlands Regional JPL competition, the team progressed to the finals in London. At Rectory Park in Ealing, they won all their games to be crowned national champions. The 16 players have now progressed onto the under-9 squad. Well well done them and wish them well for this year. Uh, Okay, so this is cricket helpers
2: lauded. Grassroots cricket champions in Worcestershire will be honoured in an awards ceremony later this month. The Grassroots Cricket Awards, hosted by Worcestershire Cricket, is being staged at New Road, home of Worcestershire County Cricket Club, on Wednesday, September 22nd. It will salute the hard work of volunteers in difficult times. Twenty awards are up for grabs, including eight England and Wales Cricket Board and three England and Wales Cricket Board Coaching Association gongs, and nine prizes handed out by Worcestershire Cricket. New categories for 2021 are Dynamo's Centres of the Year, Wicket's Volunteer of the Year, Community Partner of the Year and Super One's Hub of the Year. This month's event, which is sponsored by Touch Developments Limited, is also a celebration of Worcestershire Cricket's achievements in keeping the county's clubs up and running over the past 18 months it has also provided opportunities for a wide range of people from all age groups to get involved in the sport both on and off the pitch its many successes over the past year include supporting funding applications by clubs delivering sessions to more than three thousand school children across the county and the black country and smashing records for the ecb's all stars and dynamos junior coaching programs some 1,734 5 to 8 year olds signed up for All Stars, while in its first season Dynamos attracted 716 participants aged between 8 and 11. Worcestershire cricket chairman Kevin Drew said unprecedented times call for exceptional people and we have more than our share for a relatively small county the unparalleled devotion to not only keeping the lights on in clubs in particular and cricket in general across the county but also taking the opportunity to review renew and reinvigorate has been astonishing as a board we've ensured that worcestershire cricket is stronger more vibrant and that more people are thinking cricket is the game not just a game for me
1: Right, it's back to some rugby now, so back to Six Ways. Leaving a legacy is the driving force behind Worcester Warriors this season, says head coach Jonathan Thomas. Warriors kick off their 21-22 Gallagher season this weekend at home to London Irish at Six Ways, just like they did at the beginning of the previous campaign. They won that game 11-10, but would not record another win in the entirety of the season, losing every game. But after a mass clear out of players and 11 new signings over the summer, a new era beckons. And Thomas has his sights set on doing something no Worcester side has ever done. This club has never finished above eighth in its history. So in the short term, it would be fantastic to achieve something the club has never achieved, which would be seventh, he said. The goal at Warriors has always been to become a top club, reaching the top flight of European rugby. And that remains the target in the long term. Even way before my time, the club have always wanted to be a top six club, and that has always been the dream, added Thomas. It's about getting the Leinster or Claremont at home in the Champions Cup, those huge European fixtures. And you can only do that if you finish in the top six, and you can only finish there if you have a really successful, consistent series. But the Welshman admits the club must remain realistic, especially given that they finished bottom of the Premiership last season with just that solitary win against London Irish. We need to be realistic. We are a team that finished bottom of the competition last season and for us to come in with one bold statement is unrealistic of where we are at, he added. We are not outcome-focused, we are process-driven. And what we need to do in the here and now is to become difficult to beat, earning the respect of the league. Teams need to know they've been in a tough game when they play us, and that's consistently. Not every other week, that's every game. That is our focus in the short term.
0: Well, let's wish them well. And that actually ends the sports news for this week. There's precious little of it right now. And we move on to uh, the last few items that we've got First of all, Phil, if you don't mind doing the thought for the week, happy to do that psalm
1: seventy three twenty four You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire beside you, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion for ever.
0: Thank you. I was looking forward to reading um, some birthday greetings to people, but I've checked the book and there are none for this week. So just in case anyone has a birthday coming up, do let us know for next year and we can then give you a shout out. So that brings me seamlessly to the sunrise and sunset times. Uh, This was for today. So the the sun came up this morning at 6.44am and it will set tonight at 7.22pm. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. As you know, the obituaries will be recorded after the music. In the meantime, I'd like to thank today's readers, Catherine. Bye-bye. And Phil. Bye. And John Plush, who is waving from the engineer's box behind the glass. Thanks, everyone, for all your efforts. And may I wish our readers a very good weekend and week ahead. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: Elizabeth Helen Brooks known as Betty passed away peacefully on the 30th of August 2021 in her 100th year. A service of celebration for Betty's life will take place at St Mary's Church Kempsey on Friday the 17th of September at 1:30 p.m. No flowers by request any donations for st richard's hospice or st mary's church sent care of bedwardine funeral services 30 bromyard road worcester wr2 5bt telephone 01905 748 811 no morning dress to be worn please doris evelyn francis Passed away on the 18th of August 2021, aged 97 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 20th of September at 1pm. No flowers, please. Donations, if desired, for Worcestershire Breast Unit Haven may be sent care of R.L. Ray Funeral Directors Limited, 17 Rock Hill, Bromsgrove, B617LL, telephone 01527831723. Leslie J sadly passed away August the 4th, 2021. The funeral has already taken place. Um, donations may be made to the Royal Marines Charity. Madeline Elspeth Jeevens passed away on September the eighth, two thousand and twenty-one, aged ninety years. A service of celebration will be held at St. Edmunds Church, Stolton, on Tuesday, September the twenty-eighth, at two p.m. No flowers, donations for St. Richard's Hospice and the Friends of Stolton Church. May be sent care of E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR101HZ. Michael John Lane died on the 22nd of August 2021. Donations in lieu of flowers for the Worcestershire Animal Rescue Shelter, Malvern. All inquiries to Co-op Funeral Care, Malvern, telephone. 01684
1: Doreen Pamela Pritchard passed away peacefully on the 23rd of August this year. A service of thanksgiving will be held at St Stephen's Church, Droitwich Road, Worcester, on Friday the 17th of September at 2.30pm. Dress code black and white at Doreen's request. The service will be live streamed. For details, please contact, and here is an email address, and it's all small case, RevAndyT, that's R-E-V-A-N-D-Y-T, at Outlook.com. Family flowers only, please. Doreen wished for any donations in her memory to be split between hands at handsworld.org and St Richard's Hospice. Donations may be left on the collection plates at church or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, to be found at 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester WR3 7EU. There'll be a memorial service for Jill Winifred Richards from Kenilworth Court, Worcester, who died in March 2020. It will take place at Worcester Cathedral on Friday, the first of October, at one thirty. Mary Coldrick passed away at the Furs rest home on thirtieth of August 2021. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 21st of September at 12.15. Donations are invited for Alzheimer's Society and these may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. and Their phone number is 01905 74 Dorothy Ellen Rita May passed away suddenly on 2nd September 2021. Her funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the thirtieth of September at 315. No flowers, please. Donations, if desired, for ACONS Children's Hospice. Any inquiries you may have to the co-op funeral care, telephone 01905-22137. Cynthia Rose Yeomans passed away peacefully on the 31st of August. Her funeral service will be at St. Barnabas Church in Worcester on Tuesday the twenty first of september at ten fifteen, and this will be followed by an internment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired for Acorn Children's Hospice Trust may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to EJ Gummery and Son sixty eight seventy Ombersley Road Worcester WR three seven EU.
0: Helly Karina Ferguson, née Kemilainen. Mrs. Helly Ferguson passed away on Tuesday the 31st of August. A private service for immediate family has already taken place at East Devon Crematorium under the auspices of, of A.J. Wakeley and Sons. Donations to hospice care, specifically Hospice at Home, Marie Curie and the Royal Devon and Exeter Urgent Care Response Team are welcome. Frank Charles William Lloyd died unexpectedly on 2nd of September, aged 80. Funeral to be held at 1pm on Wednesday the 22nd of September at Astwood Crematorium, Worcester. Donations if desired to Dogs Trust Evesham, Care of Worcester Funeral Service, Kilbury Drive, Worcester, WR5 2NE. Clifford William Vernon Lord died peacefully aged 96 on Friday September 3rd in Mumbles Gower a cremation service will be held at Clonethley Crematorium at 1pm on Wednesday September 22nd Family flowers only please but donations may be made to save the children, checks only please, care of Anthony Inkin and Paul Deans family funeral directors Kilby Court Lafour, Swansea S-A-4-6-R-Q Telephone 1792 Margaret Clutterbuck formerly of Bromwich Road, Worcester passed away at Stanfield Nursing Home on the 28th of August aged 92 Funeral service at Bromyard Road Methodist Church, Worcester on Thursday the 23rd of September at 11.45am followed by cremation at Worcester Crematorium at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Omaudo, UK, may be left at the service or sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 Diane Jones, Neighburden, known as Di, of Far Forest, passed away peacefully at home on the 2nd of September, aged 65 years. Funeral service to take place on Friday the 1st of October at Wire Forest Crematorium, 2.30pm. Please wear bright colours, no mourning clothes. Family flowers only by request. Donations, if desired, for Kemp Hospice, Care of J. Vernon Kendrick, Funeral Directors, Vernon House, Cemetery Road, Lye, DY nine eight DB O one three eight four four double two one two three. Richard Graham Menzies, otherwise sometimes known as Mingis, passed away peacefully on august twenty fifth at Worcester Royal Hospital. Richard's funeral will take place Tuesday twenty eighth, september at two thirty PM at Worcester Crematorium. All friends are welcome to attend. Please wear black or dark colours in line with the family's wishes. Family flowers only, but donations in memory of Richard may be left in the donation box or sent to Blood Cancer UK, 3940 Eagle Street, London, WC1R 4TH.